This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11, and we'll start in verse 10, but Genesis chapter 11, and while you're turning there, um, we'll take a look at the, the scope of, of uh, Genesis. Um, as I've been with you this year, uh, we've been looking at Genesis when I've been with you, and uh, we have been looking at the very first uh, few chapters of the book. And if you think about the first few chapters of the book, you've got uh, from chapter 1 to chapter 11 that covers hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You've got uh, starting with Adam going all the way up to um, the Tower of Babel and and just following that. But it, it covers a span of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. When you get to chapter 12, which uh, I'm not going to be preaching next week, <laughs> I won't be here or at my church. Um, in chapter 12, you start up with the life of Abraham, and what the life of Abraham takes 12 and a half chapters to cover. So that's more than what uh, is covered, covering hundreds and hundreds of years in the first 11 chapters. And then it takes about 10 chapters uh, to cover the life of Jacob, and then another 13 chapters to cover the life of uh, Joseph. So if you look at the book of Genesis as a whole, and you're wondering, what is the point? What is this book about as a whole? Um, it's not so much about what happens in these first 11 chapters. It's more about what happens from chapter 12 on. And the first 11 chapters are how we're getting to this story about Abraham and his family. Um, that being said, um, I've uh, been going through this survey of the beginning of Genesis, and we're going to stop at chapter 11, which is where we're at today, because... Uh, uh, it's a, it's a literary unit. Um, it, it's, it's kind of the prologue here of, of Genesis. And if I'm going to eventually go preach a New Testament book and then come back to Genesis later to, to pick it up to give some variety. Um, also about what, we've, what we'll be looking at today. Something that we need to keep in mind. All the way back from the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see the creation story of God creating everything for a perfect place for man and woman to live, right? He created the garden, and He placed Adam and Eve to live there, uh, to live in perfect harmony. And then in chapter 3, we see the fall and how, how Adam and Eve broke God's law and they were cast away from the garden. But in, that, in the midst of chapter 3, as God, God gave a curse upon the ground and upon the serpent, remember, there's a promise as well. And I think that promise is, and I've said this before, it's the foundation of all the rest of the biblical story. He tells... Um, Adam and Eve, that there will one day be a seed of the woman, a seed of Eve, a descendant of Eve, who will come and who will crush the serpent's head. And the rest of Genesis 1 through 11, the rest of Genesis as a whole, the rest of the Bible is looking forward to that one who is going to come, who would be the seed of the woman, who would be that 
Savior who would defeat Satan and his minions. Um, We saw that in the fact that um, in the Cain and Abel story, you had uh, Cain was born and and Eve says, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And, And she thought maybe this would be the one, maybe this would be the seed. The one who's going to be the Savior. And yet, her hopes were dashed. This one that was born, who she thought might be the Savior, ends up becoming a murderer. Kills his brother. And at the end of chapter 4, we saw um, she gives birth again to one named Seth. And she says, the Lord has provided another seed. That emphasis on the seed. And then in chapter 5, we we see a genealogy, which we're going to look at a genealogy this morning. And the one we look at this morning is similar to what we see in chapter 5. Chapter 5 is a linear genealogy. It goes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next generation. And it's making a, a line that connects Seth, Adam and Seth all the way down to Noah. And, and as we follow that line down, it gets to Noah and it says, uh, when Lamech uh, has, uh, has Noah, he says, I'll name him Noah because he'll bring us rest. And the word Noah means rest from the curse uh, on the ground and from the labor and toil of our hands, which is a reference back to chapter three and the curse that was on the ground. Um, we saw the story of Noah. We saw uh, how God saved the world through this descendant of Eve that was Noah. Uh, And yet, he was also a sinner. And and we see after the flood narrative and everything, and after God establishes his covenant with Noah after the flood, uh, Noah, the first thing he does is he goes out into his his, uh, vineyard and he makes wine and he gets drunk and he lays there naked in his tent. And his son also is sinful and he, he, he sees his father laying there naked in his tent and he mocks him. And, uh, and, and we see this all over again, how God had, had saved Noah through the flood. He'd saved this family through the flood. Uh, he, he established his covenant with them and then they've sinned. And we see a genealogy that we looked at last week and how uh, Abraham, or the sons of, of Noah spread out all over the lands. Shem, Ham, and Japheth and all of their descendants and how they spread out. And that genealogy we looked at last week wasn't linear, but it was, it was, uh, it was spread out uh, across all the land, showing the distribution of people. Today we're going to look at another Uh, linear genealogy and the point of this genealogy is to connect from Noah all the way down to someone very special I'm going to leave you in anticipation for a second someone very special we know that the last genealogy was following the the, the genealogy in chapter 5 was following the line of the seed of the woman until we got to Noah And so the expectation in this genealogy is that we'll do the same. We're going to have the line followed from Noah through the seed of the woman on down to someone very special. We'll see as we read um, Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 10. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshad. 
two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he fathered Arpachshad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpachshad lived after he fathered Shelah uh, 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Sireg. And Ru lived after he fathered Sireg 207 years, and he had other sons and daughters. When Sireg had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Sireg lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years, and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor, after he fathered Terah, lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, these are the generations of, the, of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. And Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of, of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram... And Nahor took wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, and the son of Haran, and grandson, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is all your word. It is perfect and inerrant, and it is intended for our instruction and training in righteousness that we might be fully equipped. Father, this is a genealogy, and it is sometimes difficult for us to wrap our minds around. It is sometimes difficult even for us to pay attention. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see things that are here uh, that we hadn't noticed before. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to... um, to see your glory and to worship you uh, because of what you've revealed in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we have a bunch of names. What are we supposed to get from this? A bunch of names. We'll take a look at a little bit. Um, It begins with, these are the generations of Shem. And that is a repeated thing we see throughout the book of Genesis. We saw it at chapter 2, whenever it said, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. 
We saw it in chapter four, whenever it's, or in chapter five, when it said these are the generations of Adam. Uh, we, we, we've seen it several times, and it will be repeated uh, as beginnings of new literary units within the book of Genesis. Uh, so here we see there's something new beginning here. Um, and notice an, an observation here about this text. Um, remember, before the flood, people were living hundreds and hundreds of years and, and before it ever said that they had a son. If you, if you go back to chapter 5 and, and look at, uh, at the genealogy there, and here, something we notice after this is that uh, they're, they're living like 35 years and he fathered a child. 30 years and he fathered. These are much more like what we experience in our own day. Uh, so so um, the childbearing years appear to have, have gotten earlier in the lifespan here during these chapters. And that's important when we get to, you know, Sarah. <laughs> um, another thing that we notice... Um, in chapter in verse 17, we see this Eber. Eber, uh, as I mentioned last last week, uh, he's 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 pointed out a couple of times in the narrative we looked at last week. And Eber is the word that we get the word Hebrew from. So this is the line of the Hebrew people. And then we get down to Terah, verse 26, and. It breaks a pattern. All of these others, it listed one son, and then it would say he lived so many more years. It didn't tell us, and he died, like in chapter 5. But it said he'd have other sons and daughters, and it would leave it there. But here, in chapter in verse 6, it says, Terah lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor and Haran. So we've got a break in the narrative there. It's something different. Instead of telling us just one son, it's listing three sons. We've got Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So I think by telling us that, it's saying, watch out. Pay attention here. Something's different. And then we begin another, these are the generations of. Okay? So chapters 10, the verses 10 through 26 is all basically one literary unit and all, and all of it is pointing towards what we see in the next verse. Now these are the generations of Terah. This would be Abraham's father. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And then it tells us Haran fathered Lot. It's not following that line of the seed. It's telling us about somebody else, one of the other children uh, of, of Tira's line. And it's somebody that's important to what follows later in the book of Genesis. You have Haran fathered Lot. And then we see a tragedy. This is a tragic verse in verse 28. Haran died in the presence of his father Tira in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. Terah was a father who experienced grief. His own son died before him. And that's such a, a tragedy to lose your own child. But think about it in this respect too, in the context of Genesis. 
We're, we're following along in, in Genesis from chapter 3 on, and we're looking for a descendant of Eve. We're looking for the seed of the woman. And the first person that we're talking, we're, we're talking about in this line of Terah is somebody who dies before his father. And, and, and it's, it's a threat. It, it, it seems, is there a problem? Are, are we going to have the seed of the woman that we're anticipating? Is it going to happen? But it moves on from Tira, from, uh, from Haran, and it tells us, and Abraham and Nahor took wives. So while Haran died, Abraham and Nahor took wives, and so we're seeing a hope again. There, there will be a seed. There will be a descendant of Eve who will come. They took wives. Uh, the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and we know about her. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. And we, and we see a strange thing there too. It looks like Nahor married his niece, the, 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 the wife of uh, Nahor, Milcah, was also the daughter of Haran, which was Nahor's brother. You ever hear the song, I am my own grandpa? You sometimes feel that way when you're reading through the biblical genealogies, <laughs> especially right here. Um, and we know later, because it, it, later on in the book of Genesis, whenever Abraham, uh, he comes to um, Abimelech and he tells Abimelech, Sarah is my is my sister because he's afraid of Abimelech, and and whenever he's called on it and says, "Why did you tell me she was your sister?" He says, "Well, actually, she was my sister. She had the same father but different mothers." So we have these these two um, people who who the focus of attention is on who married a family member. <laughs> Now, that's, that's strange and that's odd to us, um, but apparently that's how the Bible records it. And notice also, when, when the Bible records things like that, it's recording what happened. It's not giving its blessing, saying this is the way we ought to follow that example. It's, it's recording descriptively, not prescriptively. Okay, so... Then, after it, it tells us about who these men married, the focus of attention is now back on Sarai, Abraham's wife. And the line we see in verse 30 says, Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. We had to pause there for a moment when we see this. Because the whole point of all this, this, uh, this genealogy from the genealogy in chapter 5 that leads up to Noah was following the line of the seed of the woman who would one day come and crush the serpent's head. And we see this line from Shem all the way down to Abraham is following the line of the seed of the woman who is going to come and crush the serpent's head. And we get to Sarai and we get this, now Sarai was barren and she had no child. It seemed like there's a threat to the promise. How is God going to keep His promise when Abraham, who we know the story is about, has a wife 
who has no child and she's barren. That story will come for another day. But we look at uh, verse 31. Now, Terah, this was Abraham's father, took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, that's the, the one who had died in Ur, Lot, his son, he took Abram, Lot, uh, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. Now remember, when this is written, Moses wrote this as the people were getting ready after after they had come out of Egypt and they're getting ready, uh, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, getting ready to take the land of Canaan. Right? They're getting ready to walk into the land of Canaan and take the promised land. But here, we see a foreshadowing of that. Terah was already... Generations and generations before that was taking his son and his grandson Lot out of Ur, out of Babylon, out of out of this this place that had no distinguishing characteristics, choosing um, not choosing, but bringing them out of those people and and coming into a land of Canaan. This is anticipation. This is foreshadowing of what is to come. But when they came to Huron, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Terah, looking forward to Canaan, or the promised land, died without ever having been able to see it. He never got to be able to see the promise fulfilled. We're left there, and the only thing we can say is to be continued, right? To be continued. Um, We've got that, and, and the rest of Genesis is following this family line from Abraham to Isaac, who we see comes as a, mirac- a miraculous answer to verse 30 here. In verse 30, it says, Sarai was barren and had no child. And we see from 12 on that, 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 that this plays out and, and is answered by God allowing Sarah after the age of 90 years old, as opposed to all these in the genealogy who were 35, 29, 34, all of those childbearing years. But when Sarah becomes 90, over 90 years old, she has a child, Isaac. And the, the tension we see at verse 30, 30, where Sarah was barren and had no child, is, is finally resolved and the seed is born. And Jacob, who comes after. And Joseph, who goes down into Egypt and and explains how they got there into Egypt in the first place. And we follow this family line that goes from Shem to Terah 
to Abraham, to Joseph down in Egypt. We see this family line that at the end of Genesis tells us that the scepter will not depart from Judah, one of those sons of Jacob. And, and we see in this family line that's, that's played out that, that uh, one day, uh, this descendant of Eve, this descendant of Abraham, this descendant of Judah, who was David, is a king. And he's promised one day there would be a king who would come after him who would sit on his throne forever and ever and ever. And again, this story continues to play out until the New Testament begins with a genealogy, just like we're looking at today, that connects all the way from Abraham all the way up to Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, who finally was that seed of the woman who came to crush the serpent's head. There were threats to the promise. There, there were things when people were wondering, how is God going to be faithful? And all of the Old Testament is pointing forward to the fulfillment of that promise uh, they, they, they face all kinds of different difficulties. You see, see uh, exile and, 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 and uh, an end to having a king on the throne, but yet that's brought back when Jesus comes. You see all these different threats to the promise that, that come, and yet nothing can thwart God's promise. Jesus comes he lives a sin, sinless life. He, he dies for our sins in our place. He defeats death and hell. And He opens the way so that not just Abraham's family, but we see in the book of Revelation how people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, like we saw from last week's chapter 10, People from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be able to worship together the one true and living God and bow our knees to Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The whole Bible points to this. this we may look at this genealogy and think, what's this all about? Shake our heads scratch our heads, maybe just skip it. But this is all pointing forward. It's leading us forward to Jesus who was born in Bethlehem and who died upon a cross for our sins and who was the seed of the woman who crushed Satan's skull. Our task, our mission is to believe on that one, believe in God's promise, believe in Jesus who came, and to follow Him and to make Him Lord of our lives.